You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For other messages and more information about Life Point Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org. We're going to pray as we open up God's Word. We're so glad you're here this morning. God, I'm just uh, expectant that you're going to speak because when we humble ourselves and and we make room for you to do what only you can do, I just think you can't resist. That's, you're just so attracted to the humble and contrite hearts. And so this morning, we just lay our ex- pre- preconceived expectations, um, our plans, our agendas down, and we say, we want more of you, God. Speak to our hearts in your mighty name. Amen. Last week, we started a new series on the Word of God. My mic is super boomy, Josh. It's, it's annoying me, so I'm sure it's annoying the people as well, but we started a series on the Word of God last week, and I have a simple vision in my heart, and it's, it's this vision of all of you sitting Monday through Sunday in your living rooms, in your bedrooms, um, where, wherever you get alone with God, with your scriptures wide open, seeking God for yourself. I'm so glad you're a part of our church. I really am. I believe in church community, but at the end of the day, what I desire to inspire and stoke in your heart is a greater love for Jesus personally. If you leave this place more inspired to go after Jesus for yourself as an individual, I feel like my my job is done. That's my heart as a pastor is to see you just get set on fire, more in love with Jesus, uh, more in love with him tomorrow than you are today. And it's possible, but a key part of that is the word of God. God's written revelation of his word. So we're going to continue talking about the word of God and its role in our lives over the next coming weeks. Me and my wife, we are actually elementary school sweethearts. That's right. I've known my wife most of my life, 25 plus years now. And with that comes a whole slew of history and stories of friendship. When I was just a nine-year-old boy, I set eyes on this girl, and, and I just thought she was amazing. So much so that I was always trying to tell my parents, we should invite them over to our house. We should have them over for dinner tonight. And time and time again, our, our families were very close, and, and I just happened to always get to hang out with her. It was amazing. It took her a lot longer to be convinced of me, but I knew just as a young boy, she was the woman of my dreams. So she, she ended up being the only girl I ever dated. I was very stubborn young boy, but we ended up getting married then uh, our senior year of college. It's been a cool story. Now, this is our 10-year anniversary this year, 2017. This morning, I brought just a little keepsake here in my uh, handy mailbox. (laughs) Did get shuffled kind of back here to the back. There's more in here, so I don't want it all to come out here. I brought with me this old tin box. I've actually had this tin box for 25 years. It's a Hershey's kind of dorky, pure milk, chocolate, tin box. But in it is just a treasure to me and my relationship with Tanya. I got this chock full of letters, love letters. That's right. This one right here is from 1996, 21 years ago. That would be a junior, no, that would be elementary school. This one with all the colorful gel, gel pens. This is from junior high. That's right. I got, I got another one for my senior year of high school, and so on, so on. They're chock full. Some of them are just scraps from the, uh, from the little piece of paper in the back pew of our church. Chock full. Can I tell you, 
in our story, in our own love story, these letters are precious to me. They document the, the growth in our relationship, the maturing of our relationship. Thank the Lord. Can I tell you this morning, I'm going to use our, our, own story, our own love story to illustrate God's unfaithful and passionate and fierce love for you. And God has gone to great lengths to write a love letter to you personally. Right here in the word of God, he has. God has written you a love letter about his love for you. And the question I'm asking you this morning is simply, will you open it? Will you open up God's love letter to you and discover his love for you daily, every single day, his personal love for you? We will continue as a church to allow this Bible, this book, to be the authority for us as a church community. So it plays that role for us church-wide. This is, uh, this is our source and our authority that we stand on. But it is beyond just a community book. This is a revelation of God's love to you personally. And if I can stoke that, the imaginations of your heart, to understand that God really, really loves you personally, and he's, he's the God of the universe, but he's also the God of the intimate, and that means he's a God that can speak to the masses while also speaking to you intimately. And he's fashioned this magnificently beautiful book to be a love letter to you, revealed to you day in and day out. Last week, I, I spoke of Psalm 119, verse 105. It's going to be our theme verse over these next few weeks, where the Bible describes itself saying, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto, our, unto my path. That's the role of the word of God in our life. It's meant to illuminate, to light up this path in which we are to walk. This straight and narrow path as Jesus describes it. The word of God is supposed to play a relevant and personal role for you. Not just for us as all of Christendom, of all of our Christian community. It's also meant to be a revelatory, illuminating power in your life every single day if you allow it to be. It'll keep your eyes fixed on the prize of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, we are making, through, making our way through the longest chapter in the book. So if you stick with us all four weeks, you can check this off your, uh, off your list. You can put it on your resume. I read the longest chapter in the Bible. I don't think it'll get you anything on your resume, but it's an accomplishment, so good for you. This morning I brought this mailbox because I want, to, I want you to begin to imagine, just like you go to your mailbox every single day expecting something important, a lot of times it's full of junk mail, disregard the junk mail. People write you personal letters to your address, your personal address. So it is in our relationship with Christ. You have the opportunity every single day, come out to your spiritual mailbox, open it up, and receive something personal that you need in your moment, the, uh, the, the situations that you're facing in your specific context. So let's read Psalm 119, starting in verse 41. The psalmist says this, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. So he's saying the very thing I was saying. His need in that hour was that the steadfast love of God would be revealed to him. Verse 42, then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. 
I will, keep your, I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn to my feet, or I turn, I, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I'm, an, I'm a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O oh Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolence smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. And that's where we'll stop for this morning. The psalmist can't get enough of the word of God. And he had such, such a lesser revelation than we have today. We are given a full enough revelation of who God is that we can know God the Father personally through the person of Jesus Christ and the daily interaction in the life of the Holy Spirit we can understand that through this love letter to you every single day. God has written you a letter about his love for you. Will you open it? Just like the psalmist said, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. The love of God is our greatest need in this hour. In this world of insecurities, in this world of uncertainties, the love of God is a rock in which we can depend day after day. Things can come and go in our life. Things can be ripped out of our lives. Tragedy can come upon us. It's the love of God that continues to be an anchor in our lives. And as you begin to open your heart up to this word, you'll, you'll begin to see this is simply the story of humanity. This is God revealing to us a grander picture of, the, of, the, of our family history. We're family, and this is our family history. You'll, you'll realize really early on in the story that we all have a common DNA, that we choose a path other than God time and time again, every single one of us. We're rebellious by nature. We, we all try to forge our own path in this world. But like, we, like we've all probably discovered at some point, when we try to forge our own path, we, it always leads us towards disappointments, betrayals, right, failures, messes around us. 
So you'll see though in this story as then you continue is this pattern of humanity trying to forge their own path and God time and time again piercing through all of that, proclaiming his unending love, his unfailing love towards us. It's time and time again that pattern. Our stubbornness, God's unfailing love. Our rebellion, God's unfailing love. It's his love letter to you. We're born into a world of insecurities. And the psalmist says right here that some, somebody or some people, they were taunting him. Maybe you have people in your life that ridicule you, that taunt you, or maybe those words are in your own head. Maybe you taunt yourself, you doubt yourself, maybe you deal with self-hatred, deep insecurities. Even if you're not a self-conscious person, this world is an insecure place. Because what we're bred to believe is that we're kind of in it on our own. Like, you're kinda, you gotta kinda make your own path. You kinda have to forge your own path. It's this path of individualism. Humility is not of this world. It's of the kingdom of God. A friend and mentor of mine named Joyce Schroeder, her husband was here two weeks ago, but she's spoken this over my life a couple of times, this quote, that any time I sense insecurities in my life, I've reached the extent of my understanding of the love of God. Anytime I sense, and we all sense insecurities in different ways and in different contexts, but for me that was an aha moment where I realized when I sense insecurities, comparison, self-doubt rising up in my heart, what that is an indication of is that I've reached the extent of my understanding of the love of God. And in that hour, in that moment, what I need is a fresh revelation of God's love for me. That I am a child of God. That he has chosen me and he's called me. He's placed his hand upon me. He's put a ring on my finger. He's called me son. That's what I need in that hour. And you'll, and you'll realize that if you'll give it a chance, if you'll even wade through some of the difficult passages of this word, you'll realize that pattern of God piercing through all of that, the stubbornness, the insecurities, and God becomes a rock, a steadfast rock of love in our lives. So God has written you a letter about his love for you. Personal, a personal letter. Will you open it? Let's check out what the mailbox has for us. Because I think there are some examples of God's love in here. Ah, oh, yes. This love letter. This is from Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 8. This is early on in the story. God's redemptive story. It says, The Lord passed before him, him being Moses, and he proclaimed to Moses, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generations. God's steadfast, unfailing love to the thousands, to the masses. God can't help but ooze love for you. And the context of this passage is profound. This is, this is God speaking to Moses, the children of Israel who had seen all sorts of miraculous signs and wonders. We can see a sign or a miracle like we did this morning and moments later act as though God is not moving in our lives in any way. And the children of Israel, just like us, God had done the miraculous, but what did they do? 
They build this huge graven image, right? So that they can praise something they can see. They build a big golden calf. The heart of God just breaks. But yet, what is his, what is his continual message that he proclaims over them? It's, oh yeah, there's going to be consequences for your sins. As he says, from third and fourth generations, there's going to be consequences for your iniquities. But he can't help but say, I'm slow to anger. I'm so patient. I'm gracious. I'm merciful. I'm abounding in steadfast love. If that doesn't hit you in your life, maybe I'm the only one that continually finds myself in that place where I'm doing the same stupid things and God reveals himself and then yet I kind of find myself in the same rut. God is merciful. I'm not talking about a slow, grandfatherly type of love. Sorry, I'm not talking about a sloppy, grandfatherly type of love. I'm talking about the love of a father that is both holy and just, and yet abounding and overflowing in love. He can be both. He can be both holy and just while keeping a standard of holiness, while Jesus is still saying the way is narrow, few find it. I'm not talking about a universalistic love. All paths do not lead to God. But yet God can at the same time be holy and just and be overwhelmingly abundant in love and generosity. Let's see what the next love letter is. I think this is a really good one here. Our Latino friend Jose. Just kidding, Hosea. The prophet Hosea. <laughs> Chapter 11, verses one through four says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and, and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim, or Israel, to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love, and I became, I became known to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. If you want to grow in your understanding of the love of God towards you, read the book of Hosea. It's a scandalous book. It's almost offensive to us. The extent of God's love towards us. He tells this prophet Hosea, I want to demonstrate my love to Israel, so I want you to go marry a prostitute. And the prostitute that I want you to marry, this is not a prostitute who's found herself in this lifestyle out of necessity, just to pay the bills. This is actually a, a prostitute who loves it. She loves the prom- promiscuity and uh, spontaneity of her lifestyle. She loves it. And so this prophet Hosea finds himself in the turmoil of an unfaithful wife, continually out and giving herself to other lovers as a declaration to the children of Israel is, that's what you do is you're giving yourself to all these other gods, to these Baals and these idols. But this is what I am, this is what I've done for you. I've healed you and I've led you with cords of kindness, with bands of love. I am the one who eases the yoke on your jaws. I've been down to, I've come down to your level. And, and God has done that even more so in our day and age when Jesus actually came down to our level. He came down and lived life amongst us and He washed our feet and he was unrecognized by us. God's revealing his love to you. There's one more. This is day three. Just imagine yourself every single day going out to the mailbox, expecting God to speak to you. He wants to reveal his love to you. This is day three in your journey. 
This is Revelation chapter 19. So now we've reached the end of the story. As we know it so far as has been revealed to us so far. Revelation chapter 19 verses 6 through 10 says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. God's description, his imagery of what the end of the age is going to be like, is going to be like a marriage celebration. What is the like, quintessential um, moment of love on this earth? It's marriage, am I right? By the way, I had to do a marriage ceremony yesterday here on the stage in the dark because the power went out. Did anybody experience the power outage? Yeah, I had the experience of officiating a wedding in the dark. We had, we had about 150 candles. It was pretty cool, but uh, the couple was really laid back and God worked it out. They got married. That's the important thing. <laughs> but God's description of the end of the age, this is his wording. This is his revelation to us. It's going to be the coming together of a bride. That's you and me. We are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are invited to be part of the bride through Jesus. And our bridegroom is our Savior, Jesus himself, our God, our Savior. And it's that coming together, that moment of love that initiates this, this eternal relationship with God our Father. Mind blown, right? God wants to reveal his love to you if you'll give him a chance. If you'll open up scripture, kind of, I don't know where you're at, I'm okay with you being honest with where you're at regarding the word of God. If you are intimidated by the Bible, that's all right. If you think the Bible is boring, that's all right. If you think it's too long or repetitive, if you've been around church for a long time, and even if you, you, you're in the word every day and you love it, I still want to, I want to tell you, no matter where you're at in that spectrum, God has something more for you. In a fresh way, God wants to open up his word to you tomorrow I want you to open it up in, in the living room, in your living room or wherever you need to get alone with God and expect that the love of God is going to be revealed to you in your moment of need. A few passages I just want to highlight here in the passage that we read. Verse 49 and 50 says, Remember your word to your servant in which you've made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promises give me life. God is not far removed from the realities of your life. Monday morning, he knows the stresses, the affliction that you face. Maybe you hate your job. Maybe your kids are driving you crazy. God knows the afflictions that you face. And through his word, what he does is he comforts you with his promises. He kind of grounds you. He anchors you in the realities of his love. That's, that's an eternal love we read about at the end of the age. All this is going to be obliterated, yet the love of God will stand. He comforts us in our affliction. I've seen this be a reality in my life time and time again in my moment of need. If like the psalmist, we'll just allow ourselves to say, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. I need you. 
Me and my wife, we moved to Ames six years ago. We didn't know a soul in Iowa. This was a total faith move for us to move from Seattle to come to Iowa, just trusting that God was in it. All we knew is there was a group of students that wanted to start Chi Alpha. We knew there was a church that said, we want to hire a Chi Alpha a pastor. So we were on board. We, we went with it. A year and a half into our time here, the pastor that hired us, he resigned. And we were like, what's going on? God, what's going on? I thought, I thought, I thought this was your plan. I thought things were supposed to be looking a lot differently than they are now. And I, I remember the inner turmoil that I walked through for months leading up to his resignation and then following. It was a difficult season. I felt the insecurities of this world. You think you can depend on things, right? And you think everything's supposed to work according to a plan. And then all of a sudden, what happens? You get thrown a curveball, right? We've all been there. So God is so good. When you allow yourself to come like the psalmist and say, God, let your steadfast love come to me. I remember I had to go through my journal and just reflect on that season in my life. But I came across a moment, Psalm 27, God spoke to me. And it's a passage I read many times. It's probably or maybe familiar to you. It's that passage in, uh, in the Psalms where David says, this one thing I seek, this one thing I long for, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I might gaze upon his beauty. I'd always loved that passage, clung to it as something that it just inspires me to worship God and go after him in prayer. But it wasn't until that season of my own affliction, my own turmoil, that God allowed me to see the greater context because the, ver- the two verses right before those, that passage is when evildoers assail me to eat on my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. In the very next verses, one thing have I asked of the Lord, this will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The context of David saying, this is my one desire. I just want to be more in love with Jesus. I want to seek after his face more today than I did yesterday. The, the whole context of that is his own affliction. He's feeling like people are coming after him from all angles. And those moments are real. And God is not far removed from those moments. When you feel like you just can't catch a break. I remember in that moment, God just met me. And he comforted me like no one could. And that's available to you as well if you will open up the mailbox. God has written you a love letter about his love for you. Lastly, verses 57 and 58. It says, the Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. The Lord had become the psalmist's portion. That means the, the one thing in his life that became the thing that made him completely content, that's all he needed, it was his portion. He needed nothing else, it became the Lord in his life. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to take you on a daily journey of him becoming your portion. And I want to kind of stir up a, a vision in your hearts if you will, begin to treasure the moments in which God speaks to you personally. Every single day, 
You begin to treasure them in your hearts. You begin to pray them over your life. You begin to believe and know that God is speaking to you specifically and he sees you in your trials. He sees you in your context. What you begin to do is you treasure those things. It's, it's like you're heaping them into this tin box. It becomes a treasury. Really documenting your relationship with Christ, a treasury that you can go back to. That's what it's become in my own life. As I've allowed the word of God to be a personal book in my life, it's become this treasury. And I can take you to passages all over my Bible that have spoken to me in my life. And I, I liken that to this tin box in my relationship with Tanya. It's become this treasury, taking me from, yes, my infancy in Christ and my immaturities to, yes, now a much deeper, mature love in Christ. That's the nature of walking with God. You too can have that in Christ if you allow yourself to come to this place every day where you open up the mailbox. If you open it up and you expect for him to speak to you and reveal his love to you. If you bow your heads and close your eyes in this place. I know for sure that there are some in this place that this idea of daily relationship with God is, it's not where they're at. It's not where, what they're experiencing on a daily basis. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to, to begin to experience that, to start that, to, to step into that. And so if you're in this place and you'd say, Drew, I've, I've never committed my life to Christ, or maybe you have committed your life to Christ, but this morning you know things are not right. This morning I want to give you an opportunity to start that relationship with Christ. If that's you in this place, would you just raise your hand? I want to see it. Awesome. Are there others? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see who's responding. Anybody else? Awesome. Yes. If you raise your hand, or even if you didn't, there were a couple of hands. But you can pray like this. God, this morning, I choose to commit my life to you. I want relationship with you, God. I recognize you as not only God of the universe, but now God over my life, master and Lord over my life. I'm submitting myself to you. I'm placing my faith in Jesus as my full savior, the solution for my issues. I'm committing my life to you. I'm not turning back. I want to start this relationship in your mighty name, amen. We're actually gonna end the service a little differently because the elders... They want to go through with this whole pastor appreciation thing, but um, I want to pray one last verse over you as a church. If you'll stand, then you can be seated again as, as the elders come and do their thing. But there's, there's a passage in Ephesians that I just couldn't help but end the service with this week. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. This is a prayer of the Apostle Paul. And this is just my, my prayer over us as a church. It says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. That is my prayer over us as a church. The love of God daily being revealed to us. His holy and just, abundantly gracious love. I'm going to pray it. Lord, I pray it over us as a church. 
that we would step into this type of love that's revealed to us through your word on a daily basis. I want it, God. I don't want us just to be a church that gathers once a week, that has a building. I want us to be a church that experiences God Almighty, that experiences you, Jesus, on a daily basis, walks in a relationship with you, that perceives and understands your love and experiences your love. I pray that this week you'd reveal it to each individual here this morning. In your precious name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.